Africa, home to the most unique people in the world. A place that connects us through our customs, traditions, and even belief itself. Join Mukundi Mudao in Tribal Pursuit, a series that ventures deep into Africa to discover the beautiful people that identify as Jewish. Join the conversation every Wednesday at 10 a.m. right here on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 Hi FM, this is Travel Pursuit and I'm your dear friend Mukundi Modal, top of the morning. Five minutes past ten of the time and it is Wednesday, the 7th of September 2022. Spring has, spring has started in South Africa and it is quite warm. I'm enjoying the warm weather. If you're in a colder part of the world, then I do feel sorry for you, but we had to enjoy winter, so so can you, my friend. Do not worry though, Travel Pursuit is on and that means it is time we dive deep into Africa to find out what's happening with other Jewish communities around the world and also just what's happening around Africa. Of course, I'm going to have some great, great African music for you today and I'm going to have some great uh, conversations, well, one conversation with the Namibian Jewish community. Our cousins, I'd like to think these are cousins because Namibia is just can practically walk there from Joburg, right? <laughs> so yeah, I'll be talking to the Namibian Jewish community a little later on. I'll actually be speaking to the president of the Namibian Jewish congregation, Mr. Nahum Gorlik. You should stay tuned for that. That's, of course, in the later half of the show. But for now, I'm just going to talk to you like your good friend Mukundi does every Wednesday, 10 o'clock, 101.9 High FM. This is Tribal Pursuit with Mukundi Mudao, venturing deep into Africa to discover the who, how, and why of the beautiful people that identify as Jewish. 101.9 Hi FM, this is Travel Pursuit and I'm your dear friend Mukundi Mudao, top of the morning. 10.11 is the time and I hope you enjoyed Mikasa with La Vita. La da 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 da, La Vita. Once again, I can't speak Portuguese, so that's all I heard. <laughs> I do hope you're enjoying your Wednesday morning. Spring has started and it's beautiful. Some of the flowers have already started doing what they do. You know, the hay fever is really getting people though, so hope you're staying careful. Hope you're staying indoors and if you got hay fever then i'm sorry i'm sorry your, your your allergies just decided to act up when this season was just starting to be beautiful who am i talking about today or who am i talking to today the namibian jewish community and i'll be speaking to the president of the namibian jewish Con- congregation such a long word i'll be speaking to the uh, president of the namibian jewish congregation and he's gonna tell me everything i want to know if you have some questions for him do send them through and i'll be sure to ask it later 34519 is i sms me 0618951019 is i telegram me if you want to email me on air at highfm.com and for my fellow twitter fingers out there you can just add hi we'll get through your messages and i'll say hi say hi to your friend mukundi say hi to a friend of, to a friend of the show mr nahum gorlik that's who i'm gonna be talking about and i'm really excited because that's probably the smallest jewish community that i'll be interacting with for the duration of the show once again travel pursuit is a limited series so i won't be here forever but unfortunately but fortunately for you i'm still here for a while you know <laughs> And if you do want to listen back to the old shows, just go to the High FM website, listen to our podcast, and don't just listen to Travel Pursuit. We have a lot of great shows on High FM that I think you'll enjoy. Listen to everything that you can find. And I'm not alone in studio. Of course, I have Craig the Man pushing all the buttons and the faders gave me a thumbs up. He's not a man of many words, but we like it that way. <laughs> so, I want you to forget you're Jewish for a minute, and let's find out what's happening in Africa. Now... I'm not gonna. I'm, not, I'm gonna admit, with this first story, I'm gonna flirt with controversy for 
for this first story, but I thought it's very, I found it interesting and I wanted to discuss it with you. Uganda bans a moral music festival linked to sex, drugs, and LGBTQ. So now, there's a festival in Uganda which happens every year, the Nyega Nyega Festival. It happens every year, electronic music, EDM, everybody from around the world comes there. And they have banned it this year. The festival, what's wrong with your voice, Mukundi? Excuse me, there we go, there's your friend Mukundi. The festival, which in previous editions welcomed some 10,000 people, including foreign tourists, was held to four days from was held for four days from September 15 in the town of Jinja, southeast Uganda, I would assume. However, a few days to the event, which has not been held for several years due to the COVID-19 restrictions, the parliament announced on its Twitter account that it had been banned. Yes, no more. Nyega Nyega Festival, gone. Throw it in the trash, gone. But why? I'm glad you asked. Let me tell you. The festival promotes immor- immorality, and we do not want this immorality in our country. Rose Lily Akello, who's the Minister of Ethics and Integrity, so, said so herself. Her colleagues in charge of tourism, Martin Mugarura, there's a word I finally said on the first try, Martin Mugarura told AFP that the ban on the festival would have a negative impact on the economy, which is struggling to recover from the COVID-19 pandemic. More than 8,000 foreign tourists have already bought their tickets and were due to stay in the country during the festival and even afterwards, he said, saying he hoped the authorities would reverse the decision. The festival was previously banned in 2018 by former ethics minister Simon Lokodo, a devout Catholic and notorious homophobe. We will not accept the loss of our morals, homosexuality will not be accepted, he said, arguing that the festival is close to devil worship and therefore unacceptable. Homophobia is widespread in Uganda, where so-called unnatural relationships are punishable by life imprisonment under a law dating from British colonization. Harassment and intimidation are the daily lots of homosexuals in this country where evangelical Christianity is particularly vehement towards the LGBTQ community. So, there you have it. On one side, especially this being a Jewish radio station, I I get what they mean by the the religion the religion plays a role here but are we really gonna cancel a music festival just because of that a festival that has been proven to help the economy and i believe every country in africa right now could use a boost every economy in africa if not the world could use a boost and this was a great opportunity for it what do you think do you think they were wrong in banning this festival just because they believe it'll promote immorality and homosexuality and what is your stance on that let me know i'm not going to talk much about it because you know judaism homosexuality we all know the stance on that as well so i'm not going to entertain it that much however i just wanted to know what you have to say about it and what your thoughts are on the particular topic moving on to something that i really love girls are skateboarding in ethiopia what yes amazing i tried so hard to get girls to skateboard here in south africa so i'm glad that some girls are taking initiative see what's happening south african girls take charge uh-huh <laughs> so there's girls in ethiopia that are actually starting skateboarding and this is so that they battle stereotypes and stigmas around females in the country so they're doing it as a way to bond as a way to help each other and as a way to break glass ceilings which i really think is cool as somebody who skates myself with even though i haven't done it in a few years because i'm semi-retired my my bones are getting old i guess (laughs) i really love the idea you know bring sports really brings people together and we've seen this sports helps kids keeps 
uh, keep kids off the streets, drugs, crime, everything. So the fact that these girls have decided to do, to do something that is very uncommon in Africa, I like. You know, they didn't decide to go play soccer. They didn't decide to go play volleyball or netball. No, they decided to skate. A sport which is still very male-dominated, you know? And they just decided to do it themselves. And I thought that was really cool. You should check it out. You should check them out. They're called Ethiopian Girl Skaters. That's it. Who needs a creative name when you have a straightforward one? <laughs> Ethiopian Girl Skaters. Check them out. They got some really cool videos on the internet. And I just thought it was really amazing that they're using skateboarding as a way to break glass ceilings and also keep each other off the streets keep each other safe keep each other edu educated and as a way to bond as a community i really thought that was cool and i will end off with the animals today i want to talk about elephants once again i want to give you numbers on elephants so there's there's a there's a census happening it started all the way in Zambia, coming all the way down. I would assume it's going to get all the way to the Kruger and all the other reserves we have here in the country, where they're taking numbers of all the elephants. And I think that is really cool because we have to know the numbers. We have to know how the elephants are doing. No, statistically, <laughs> I would assume they're doing fine. <laughs> the elephant census is underway in the Kavango Zambezi Transfrontier Conservation Area. Kaza, if you will, after it started in Zambia's Kafua National Park. The survey will also cover Zimbabwe, Botswana, Namibia, and Angola's conservationists attempt to count the elephant population. In Zimbabwe, the census started in the last week of August and was expected to last three weeks before moving to Botswana. Kaza, I love that acronym, Kaza, said in a statement, as things stand, aggregated figures from the five Kaza members are that there are 220,000 elephants in the region in an area of 520,000 square kilometers. This figure represents about half of the remaining savannah elephants found in Africa, a species that was red-listed as endangered by the International Union for the Conservation of Nature, otherwise known as IUCN. The survey will also seek to understand the elephants' migration patterns across countries and factors such as climate change and the survival of the jumbos. I like that. I'm not going to call them elephants anymore. They're jumbos now. So the survey aims to determine the numbers and seasonal distribution of elephants, elephant carcasses, and other large herbivores. I really like this. We have to know what's happening. We have to know if the numbers are gradually or what drastically going down or if they're stable or if the population is actually increasing again because we know elephant poaching after rhino poaching is probably the worst i don't know i didn't fact check this but i sh i sh i'm confident after rhino poaching because we know rhinos are almost endangered almost almost instinct actually they're very endangered and i love the fact that we get to know what's happening with our animals we get to know what's happening with the elephants and they get to tell us hey man you guys are killing too many elephants, better tone it down. Or, hey man, you guys are not killing any elephants, keep it up, you know? <laughs> 1021 is the time, 101.9, Chai FM, this is Travel Pursuit, and I'm your dear friend Mukundi Mudao, top of the morning. I'll be speaking to a member of the Namibian Jewish community a bit later on, Mr. Nahum Gorlik. I hope you stay tuned for that conversation, because I'm sure it's going to be fun, and I wouldn't want you to miss out on the fun, because I'm such a good friend. This is Tribal Pursuit with Mukundi Mudao, venturing deep into Africa to discover the who, how, and why of the beautiful people that identify as Jewish. 1027 is the time, 101.9 Chai FM. This is Tribal Pursuit, and I'm your dear friend Mukundi Mudao. I hope you enjoyed that song that was Ps -ps Hello by Oliver Mtukuzi. In a few minutes, we will be talking to Mr. Nahum Gorlik of the, of the Namibian 
Jewish community and I hope you're going to enjoy that. If you have any questions, feel free to send them through. 34519 is the SMS line. 0618951019 is the Telegram line. You can email me your questions on air at highfm.com. And if you want to tweet, you can just add highfm and we'll see your messages. Do not hesitate. Do not be scared. I'm your friend, Mukundi. You know me. I know you. Okay, let's <laughs> let's do this. So, before we do that, unfortunately, I have to, well, fortunately, actually, I have to tell you your African proverb because I want to bestow some wisdom upon you as a good friend and know that when we leave today, you will leave with some wisdom that I know I gave you. And if you already knew this, then congratulations. <laughs> I just told you something you already know. Today's African proverb is, if you want to go quickly, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Now, as I read the meaning, because I'm not smart enough to deconstruct anything like that, when you work alone or on your own, you have the luxury of not having to wait for anyone or needing anyone's approval to get things done. Thus, you're able to work fast. But the question is how far can you go on life working alone? Going far requires the support of others. With teamwork, you have others to let you know when you're going the wrong way, to lift you up when you fall, to encourage you when you're in despair, and to carry you when you're worn out. But sometimes it can help but to work alone because the others are either, are either uncooperative or have different values. Beautiful. There we go. You cannot do everything alone, but sometimes it's best to work alone, especially if people that you're working with are either uncooperative or they have different values and morals to you. But the moral, but the moral of this expression or this proverb is that if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together because we do everything as a community. 1029 is the time. Do not go anywhere. We will be back with Mr. Nahum Gorlik straight after this. This is Tribal Pursuit with Mukundi Mudao, venturing deep into Africa to discover the who, how, and why of the beautiful people that identify as Jewish. 101.9 High FM, this is Tribal Pursuit and I'm your dear friend Mukundi Mudao, top of the morning. We have a friend of the show today, Mr. Nahum Gorlik, straight from Namibia, and we are talking about the Namibian Jewish community, as I've told you earlier. Mr. Gorlik, how are you doing this morning? I'm fine. Thanks very much. It's good to speak to you. Good to speak to you too. Thank you for being on the show today. So I tried reading on the internet about the Namibian Jewish community, but all I could find was that it was started by two brothers. Well, the, ori the origin of Jews in Namibia is, is two brothers from Cape Town, well, the Cape in South Africa, moved up and went to Namibia. But that's as much as I could get. So now I just wanted to hear it straight from the horse's mouth. Could you please give us a bit of background <laughs> about your community? Okay. Well, you know, the uh, in Namibia, in, in, in those days, the, there wasn't really a, a territory name for it. The territory name was originally German Southwest Africa when it, it, it was uh, a German colony. And that happened in the mid-1800s when uh, Germany was looking as part, part of the expansion of Africa, the colonial expansion of Africa, uh, was looking at, at an east-west axis. And the, the British were obviously competing on a north-south axis uh, from Cape to Cairo. And the Germans were, were looking at a way uh, to cross to, to Tanzania uh, or Tanganyika at the time. But anyway, uh, so before that, this is now kind of the uh, early 1880s. This is that record that you were talking about by the De Pass brothers, 
who, who were merchants in South Africa and uh, they knew of communities and settlements, primarily uh, European, small communities along the uh, or north of Cape Town, uh, moving up into the Northern Cape and then in, into kind of the, the what, what was then going to become fairly soon the German South West Africa. Mm. And uh, they came and they were doing trading. They, they brought goods and wares, foodstuffs with them, and they traded with, with various communities along the way. And, uh, and then they moved into uh, then South, the German Southwest as well, and also was trading with small communities there as well. So this is the first record of, of, of I, I wouldn't call them settlers, but travelers that, that, that would come regularly in, into uh, Southwest Africa. Then the, the Germans uh, arrived and they settled in, uh, in a town that is, was later to become called Luderitz or Luderitz Bay. Hmm. And the Germans were setting that up as a, a kind of base station for water and food supplies. Despite it being a desert, there, there, there was water available in, inland, not, not that far inland. And they, they, they started setting up uh, with the settlement. Also came the, uh, the German uh, Schutztruppe, which was a, a, a mobile army, a horseback army. And um, they, they came as, as part of this project of colonizing Africa. Uh, but also to to what they would refer to as quelling the the, the local natives, you know, because some some of the the, the local population were, were hostile because they came in and they were kind of hunting and mm. uh, shifting people off land and moving people away from water supplies and locals away from water supply. Mm. So it it, be, it became a, a a kind of a protection service, but also a a, a, a military service that, that would serve as, a, as the colonizing power. And amongst some of the, the Schutztruppe were Jewish soldiers as well. Mm. And so there was, there was a settlement after people had retired uh, or, or resigned from the army, they settled in, in Southwest Africa. Uh, so there was this, like a second wave of settle of settlers uh, and 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 Jews that that came into two waves of Jewish people the exactly. brothers earlier and, on and the German soldiers later right right hmm. and then you started getting uh, not really accounted for but but other um, journeymen and travelers that were moving up again from Cape Town. Uh, and and trading along the way, so that that became more of a fixed route, mm. and and I, I imagine the roads uh, were were being more frequented at at, at that time, and then a, a another development was that you started getting professionals coming in from Europe, uh, primarily from Germany, who were looking at. Uh, mining and uh, various other supplies. And then you, you started getting a, a, a broader community of, 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 of uh, Jews that were coming in. Mm. And some of them were Persians from Russia who were very involved in the caracul trade. And they came here looking for pelts. 
So you started getting a, a mix of, of agricultural people. You got pelt dealers or, or fur dealers. And, and then you got uh, the, the, the diamonds were discovered in, also in, in the late 1800s. And, and then you got people from Europe who were involved in the diamond industry. And, and uh, many of them were Jewish that came in as well. So in, in terms of numbers, um, we're talking, you know, may, maybe 120, 150 settlers over maybe five years or 10 years. But they started and, and, and set up networks and, and, and various other forms of, of, of industry, but mainly trading, mining, and, and agriculture. Those were the three key attractions that brought more Jewish people in, into the German Southwest. Um, so that, that is the start. That is the start of, of, of the settlements that, that happened here. That's the start of the settlements. And how did the community grow from there? Well, the uh, people during the early 1900s, sorry, yeah, the early 1900s were, were starting to be, Jewish people were starting to be concerned uh, about the threat of war. The anti-Semitism was starting up the, the Russian Revolution uh, and, and the Cossacks and the pogroms were starting there. So a lot of people moved to South Africa and some of them didn't go to South Africa, but they came to Southwest Africa. And, and, and that's where I, th I think the larger influx of people started coming in. Uh, so it wasn't really for uh, adventure and, and uh, exploration and stuff like that, but it was more looking for a, a, a safe haven where they could live peacefully and, and, and set up business and industry or farming to, to get away from the threat of, of, of the, uh, the pogroms and the anti-Semitism that was happening in Europe or starting to develop in Europe. So you got Ludritz, uh, which was the first German settlement. Uh, then you got uh, Swakopmund which is uh, kind of midway on the coast, on the, on, on the Atlantic Ocean coastline. Uh, also a German settlement that was growing. That, that became the main harbor. Uh, so a lot of traders and people would come in. So, you know, there was import and export happening. So more, uh, in relative terms, more, you know, Jews came to settle. Mm. Men, obviously, bringing their families or women were coming in and, they, and, and the, the, these, uh, you know, the men would get married and, and start families. And uh, then the Germans moved inland to, to Windhoek and Windhoek became the, 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 the kind of administrative capital. So a, a lot of the administrators, the German uh, people, some of them were Jewish, but uh, it was mainly uh, for commercial purposes that they came to settle here. But with that, you also started getting professionals coming in, doctors, lawyers, people like that. So you started getting a, a, a cross-section of different types of professions that, mm. uh, that started developing. Families were starting. And uh, so the, the synagogue in, in Vintuk, there, there were small informal places that, that were, were set up in Swakopmund. Uh, and in, in Vintuk and Ketmansuk, which is a town uh, about 500 kilometers south of Vintuk. 
and a lot of these places could be traced where the uh, the traders would would move uh, up and down the you know the the north south axis going up to Vintuk and further north, and uh, there were enough traders and people there that they would set up synagogues for prayers, running Friday night services, things like that. Most of the, most of the people that came came from Europe. Uh, so the, uh, they, they tended to be more Ashkenaz, uh, but the Persians and the people that were coming more from, from Russia and, the, and those areas tended to be more Sephardic, but the Ashkenazi was, was a much larger uh, number and, and because, because they were coming from, from Europe itself, which was the concentration of the Ashkenazi. So I heard you mention the synagogue a bit earlier on. Is it the is it the only building is it the only synagogue in the country right now? I read that it's in Windhoek. Is it the only one? And if so, how did it get to that point where it was built and it became the one hub for Jewish people in Namibia? Okay, it it the the foundation stone for the synagogue was uh, laid in 1924. So. At, at that stage, the, the community was, was large enough. They, they, there was a rabbi that was brought in, and uh, the, 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 the community its, uh, itself was becoming more permanent, larger as well. There were families that were born or kids that were born here and, and were living here and went to school here. So the, you know, it started becoming a, a, a permanent settlement. And I, I imagine from the, uh, A, because of, of, of the religion, the people that were coming out tend, tended to be Orthodox, felt that they needed a, 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 a house of prayer and a community center, and, and this was then built. Uh, the community kind of grow, grew on a uh, consistent basis, and in the 50s, the synagogue was enlarged. Mm. So uh, the um, I, I'm kind of jumping ahead here, but the, the, the largest uh, number of, of the community was about maybe 100 and, between 120, 140 families. And, and that was in the 50s and early 60s. And so that, that I suppose, would be the heyday of, 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 the, uh, of the Jewish community here. And how's the German influence there? I heard you mention a lot of German people moved in, travelers, soldiers, businessmen. How's the German influence there? I'll give an example with the Mozambican Jewish community. Since since Mozambique was a Portuguese colony and a lot of people that were there were Portuguese, there's a very Portuguese influence and feel to the whole community. Is that the same in Namibia, just with German? Well, it, it used to be, but the um, the composition of, of, of the immigrants that came out, the Jewish immigrants, were from a, a range of places, um, similar to South Africa, where I think most of the early immigrants were from Lithuania. Yeah, they were from Poland, from Lithuania, from Belarus, from Russia, from Persia, and from Germany. Uh, so it, it, it was a much bigger picture, and the fact that it was a German colony didn't 
create just a, a cultural trek of German Jews. It, it was a more cultural trek of, of European Jews. So the, 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 the German influence was strong, but it, it wasn't strong enough that it would dominate the, uh, the culture of the Jewish community here. Oh, I see. The, the, the thing that made people bond and connect together was the fact that they were all Jewish, not necessarily the fact that this person is German and so am I. So it doesn't Exactly. Work. Yeah. Oh, okay. All, all Jewish with, uh, you know, in, in a foreign land, I suppose one would say. So they didn't try and recreate a little uh, Munich or a, a Frankfurt <laughs> or whatever. Uh, but uh, it, it had its own identity, but it was very European hmm. uh, uh, as opposed to just primarily German. 101.9 High FM, this is Travel Pursuit, and I'm your dear friend, Mukunimu Dao, top of the morning. We are talking to a friend of the, t- a friend of the show today, Mr. Nahum Gorlik, straight from Namibia. We're talking about the Namibian Jewish community. Do not go anywhere. We will be back straight after this. This is Tribal Pursuit with Mukundimu Dao, venturing deep into Africa to discover the who, how, and why of the beautiful people that identify as Jewish. 101.9 High FM, this is Travel Pursuit, and I'm your dear friend, Mukundi Mudao. We're still talking to a friend of the show, Mr. Nahum Gorlik, straight from Namibia. We are talking about the Namibian Jewish community. If you have any questions, feel free to send them through. 34519 is the SMS line. 061 is the Telegram line. If you want to email me your questions, feel free to do so on air at highfm.com. And if you want to tweet them, you can just at highfm doesn't necessarily have to be questions. You could just tell us that you're enjoying the conversation or say hi to our friend, Mr. Nahum Gorlik, and I'll be sure he knows. <laughs> so, Mr. Gorlik, going back to our conversation, I wanted to ask about food. I always, I always love talking about food. Since you're such a small community, how do you get your... Do you guys have kosher stores there, or is it hard to get kosher food there? No, it, it is quite difficult. With you know, with the, with the supermarkets today, uh, a, a lot of the food, especially the the canned or packaged foods, frozen foods, are, are, are kosher. So that that's not a problem. Mm. The, the the biggest issue, and and the, uh, there's fresh fish, so you know that's also not a problem. Mm. But the, the the biggest the biggest issue is the. Uh, meat supply the kosher meat supply oh yes of course when when the community was kind of in its heyday as i was talking about they had someone here that 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 would uh, slaughter the 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 animals hmm. in a kosher way and uh, the there, there was always sufficient supply uh, but now now it's a bit of a problem and and those i, I think living in 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 a place like like uh, namibia or bintuk one tends to be pragmatic as well uh, as much as possible. Mm. So the people who feel the the very from people or religious people, there are one or two people here that are still very from, will make a plan and order uh, kosher meat from from South Africa. Mm. But but the other supplies are generally available here. So from from that point of view, that that's not a, not a, big, a major problem. It's limited of, of choice because the, uh, you know, when it gets to f- uh, the the festivals like uh, Pesach, Passover, Rosh Hashanah, they, you know, where, where you get special dishes that you would eat on the on those on those festivals, mm. 
it's it's difficult. We ask the the supermarkets to, if they could bring stuff in. They bring in stuff kosher food mainly from uh, over the over the festivals like Pesach. They'll bring matzah in. They'll bring chren. There, there's always uh, kosher wine uh, that 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 they, they would bring in. But but the specialities uh, like uh, for Rosh Hashanah that the teglach and and various other confectionaries and things like that uh, we don't get. So when when people travel, they'll always bring stuff back. Uh, otherwise, we just do without or we try and make our own. Hmm. But um, th- th- that is the one area or one of the areas that uh, is, is sadly uh, not fully available to the, the Jewish people living in, in, in Namibia, in Vintuk. And is that your only challenge you face as a community, or do you face more? No, no, that, that, that's just one, one, one fact, one facet of it. I, I think you know we we're on the cusp of, of a, or, or, or let, let's say we we're closer to the the end of of, of the the full Jewish community existence here. One of the things that happens from from the sixties, the seventies, I suppose one would say, it became more noticeable, uh, and we felt it more in in, in the nineteen eighties. Was that um, because of the international travel, because of the uh, kind of the diaspora moving back to Israel and moving to larger communities, uh, when families you know had had university age going uh, kids the 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 children would leave namibia it uh, would go primarily to south africa mm. either to cape town or johannesburg uh, to the jewish centers there and and uh, live there uh, but the thing is that very few of them came back uh, you know, they 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 met people there. They got married there. They then moved and immigrated to you know the English-speaking world: Canada, wow. United States, Australia, Israel, and uh, so that that was the start of 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 the reduction uh, of of the size of the of, of of the Jewish community. There were a few younger people that came in with families, but that that pattern repeated itself. That when those kids got older, they left really? and and didn't come back. Uh, I, uh, in a way, am a bit of an exception, and and some of the others. The uh, maybe I'm, I should add that the average age of, of of the Jewish community here is is about sixty five. Wow. There there are very very few young kids. Uh, we had a bit of a um, an injection into the community, uh, not from a religious point of view, but but more from a, a, a social point of view. Mm. Was when Namibia opened up its its diamond market and were looking for uh, value added industry like diamond polishing, and that there were quite a few Israeli companies that came in and brought you know their their their, uh, their their specialist cutters and polishers here mm. and they they were younger they came with with kids so there was a bit of a a revival of 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 Jewish life and and uh, as a community but they they never really integrated they they were always Jewish and and always assisted but they were more secular than than what you know the 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 local community was Oh. And uh, 
so they they would always help and they would always participate if we needed a minion uh, and we would call them they would come they would come for the high festivals if they didn't go back to Israel to visit their families but um, we we never really got to a point where we got new immigrants coming in despite trying to recruit them to come into to you know run businesses or work in businesses or that that were here and uh, as a result uh, the the community has been on a, on a decline for about 15 years but i think we're at a point now where unfortunately we have difficulty getting the, a, a minion mm. uh, so a lot, a lot of the time, we're we're at loss for us for having a a formal service. We get together, uh, we we celebrate the, the the festivals, but we can't complement that with with the actual traditional uh, prayer services that that we would like to have. Wow! So the population is dwindling, and as much as new people came in, they never really felt like a part of the community. They just felt like other Jewish people living in the country. That, that, that's exactly right. Yeah. It, and I, I don't think it, it had anything to do with the community. It just had to do with, uh, you know, like uh, to give a quote that, that quite a lot of the, the Israeli people came and they said, look, when we're in Israel, we're secular Jews. We don't, we don't go to synagogue. We, we respect and live a Jewish life. So if we don't go to synagogue when we're at home, mm. we don't go, we to, don't synagogue go to synagogue here. here. Exactly. Enough. So Fair it had enough. nothing. It had nothing to do with the uh, with with the oh don't go join the the the, the winter community. It, it it was more just their lifestyles were, are, are very different to to what our traditional lifestyles are, which has always been a follow through of 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 let's say the uh, the Jewish traditional life. That you know happened when when uh, our forefathers came here. If I can, I can use that term. One one point nine, Chai FM. This is Travel Pursuit, and I'm your dear friend Mukuni Mudao. We're talking to a friend of the show, Mr. Hum Gorlik from Namibia. Unfortunately, I see that we're out of time. I just wanted to ask you one more question. It's more about your interaction and engagement with other Jewish organizations and communities inside and outside of Namibia. How has that been? Well, it, it's actually become, in a way, almost stronger. Uh, we, we form an integral part of the African Jewish Congress. Mm. Uh, we meet regularly, uh, you know, formal meetings. I, I represent Namibia on, on the committee. And uh, we also um, have attended uh, from time to time the World Jewish Congress because we are a registered uh, congregation and country with them. So from from that international perspective, we uh, we are linked, and we stay in touch that way. But there's also another aspect that that keeps us in touch with with uh, uh, families and 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 uh, friends that were living here that that either come back or they tell their friends. Namibia is a big uh, tourist country; it, it it attracts a lot of tourists. Mm. And uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's quite a, a um, popular destination. Uh, as a result, they tell people to come or they come themselves, these people that have, that have immigrated out of, out of Namibia come back. So we, we are in contact with, with a lot of them and we stay in touch with them. They stay in touch with us. And, and 
there, there are a lot of travelers that come in, a lot of Israelis and, and, and a, a lot from, from the United States, from Italy, from Israel, from the UK and, and France. And, and a lot of those, those tourists are Jewish as well. So they come, a lot of them would, would not a lot, but a few of them would come and ask if uh, there, there's a way that they can get kosher food when they're here and ask questions about coming to the synagogue and coming to prayers if they're here on Friday nights and things like that. So we, we, we do stay in touch and we are linked on, on an informal basis with, with these, these travelers and tourists that are coming in. But then also on the, on the formal basis with the African Jewish Congress as, as a member country, as well as the World Jewish Congress. Beautiful, beautiful. So not completely isolated. No, absolutely not. Yeah. We, we, our flag still flies and, and you know, so we, we're in touch with people and, and communicate with them. And, uh, and that's good to know that that keeps us going as well. Mr. Gorlick, I'd like to thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. And you are officially a friend of the show. <laughs> thank you very much. This is Tribal Pursuit with Mukundi Mudao, venturing deep into Africa to discover the who, how, and why of the beautiful people that identify as Jewish. Quick look at quick look at your messages. Linda Warren says, Mukundi, great show, smooth, hey? And fabulous mu- and fab music too. I'm loving it. She even put a little hugging face emoji. Ah, Linda, thank you so much. I'm glad you're enjoying the show and the music. And we have a message from Brenda Rannon, but it's an all ca- it's an all caps. I assume I have to scream it out loud. Let me step away from the microphone. It says, Hello, Mr. Gorlick. Regards, Brenda Rannon. It's an all caps. Blame Brenda, not me. So I do, I do, I do hope you enjoyed the show. Unfortunately, we are out of time. Craig is signaling me to get out of studio, and I'm sorry, Craig. I will. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, tune in again next week. If you didn't, tune in again next week, and I bet I can change your mind. Thank you for your messages. Thank you for interacting with me. Thank you for spending your Wednesday morning with me. As always, until next time, enjoy the rest of your day.